A collegiate-level course in national security is about to expand the number of colleges where it's taught. Hacking for Defense started at Stanford back in 2016. It brings student brain power to bear on difficult national security and defense challenges. Since then, it's spread to 50 other universities. Now it's set to double that. Here with the details, the managing partner of the consultancy BMNT, Pete Newell. And Pete, good to have you back, first of all. Thanks so much for the invite. I'm always glad to be here. And you were instrumental in actually establishing this course in the first place at Stanford. So just give us a quick genesis of how it got to be. It was an accident. It, it truly was an accident. Now, we were asked, I think it was in 2015, to prove that there was a way to get Silicon Valley involved in a discussion with DOD about something important to DOD. I knew from my experience at the Rapid Equipment Force that the one thing that I had that would entice people into conversation were really wicked problems. So we used a really wicked problem and a bunch of students at Stanford over spring break to craft a story that enticed people from the Valley into a conversation about rewriting a problem so that it made sense both from a military standpoint and from a commercial standpoint. And it was absolutely amazing. We were out briefing the project to former SecDef Bill Perry and, and several other people, to include Steve Blank, and we got to the end and said, you know, unfortunately, Mr. Secretary, it's not scalable. We used Stanford students during spring break. And, you know, during the course year, students are just not available to do this kind of project. And a student stood up in the back of the room, raised his hand and said, hey, wait a minute. Had this been a course at Stanford, I would have taken it. And less than 90 seconds later, we were set on a course to build a course at Stanford that Bill Perry named Hacking for Defense. So I credit Bill Perry for the name and for the genesis of doing it. Nine months later, we launched the first course. And since then, you have also launched a nonprofit to kind of administer course development and then promulgate it to other colleges and universities? You know, there have been a number of spinoffs. So I would say that, you know, before we even taught the first course, there were other universities that came to us and said, we want to teach this. We eventually created an educator's course to teach educators how to teach in this flipped classroom, how to build a course. And we found that we needed an appropriate mechanism for scaling and administering at the university, which is a nonprofit. You know, it's not something that was appropriate for BMT as a commercial company to do. So we established the Common Mission Project as the nonprofit charged with not just scaling hacking for defense, but also moving that pedagogy to other problem areas. You know, for instance, today you'll find uh, uh, courses supporting the Department of State, Homeland Security, Climate Sustainability, Health and Human Services, and a number of other places. But CMP, which is the nonprofit, does the the interface with universities actually help them teach the course. All right. And what are you doing now to fulfill the demand? It sounds like there's demand to go from 50 different institutions to maybe 100. We literally have been overwhelmed with a number of different, and I call them permutations. There was a desire to expand into historical black colleges and universities. In fact, Lockheed Martin has been a, a major supporter of the nonprofit to actually help do that. There is a desire to expand into manufacturing problems in the industrial base. There is a desire to expand into public safety and local cities. So we're trying to answer all these demand signals, but quite frankly, we don't know at the upper limit of number of universities that we can handle across all the programs. We do know that the lifeblood of running this are problems from people who have them, and that's really been a limiting basis. So we are going to 100. 
I think that'll eventually go up. But the goal is to double the number of universities with young men and women who are actively attacking the problems of our time. I don't care whether it's defense, climate, public safety, or anything else. We are speaking with Pete Newell. He's managing partner of BMNT and founder of the Common Mission Project. So the basic idea here then is less defense specifically, but the idea of public problems being looked at in entirely new ways by people who are young enough to think in entirely new ways. So we like to look at it as performing a national public service by taking on the problems of our time, regardless of whether it's defense, climate, or something else. So it is, yes, accurately a problem-solving mechanism, but also a way of exposing young men and women to a civics class that they just can't take anymore. Get them exposed to how the government actually functions and how hard the problems are and get them attracted to working alongside government officials, whether it's in defense or diplomacy or anything else. But get them excited by solving the problems that they are going to live with in another generation. I imagine there might be demand for looking at the government itself as a problem. I don't mean that in the sense, you know, government's the problem, not the solution type of politics. But the fact that government by nature is often inefficient or it's often you know, slow to move. And if you look yeah. at even in the case of, say, the military, where there's some major challenges, and sometimes the military's own bureaucratic ways, the planning, budgeting, and execution process and all of this get in the way of moving fast, could government processing and process itself be a subject of a course to hack? It actually is. So I will tell you, there's been a steady trend to first recognize that innovation is not necessarily a technology problem as much as it is a policy and business process problem. And I don't care whether you're a DOD or the IRS or, you know, the National Institute of Health, we don't have a tech problem. We have a culture problem. We have a culture problem because we have a business process problem. So we're finding that even when somebody brings a tech problem into the classroom, the students are unearthing business process and policy issues that need to be solved so that tech can actually be used. We've gotten to the point now where in partnership with the Gordian Knott Center for National Security Innovation at Stanford, we are starting to look at emerging operating concepts and the policies and the processes that go with them and starting to insert them into the classroom for students to take on as well. And how does it work in practice? Because it doesn't sound like the course where just a bunch of lectures over a period of 12 weeks really is the right format if you're trying to get new ideas. It sounds more like a seminar. Uh, I mean, does someone take notes and how do they roll up the ideas? What does it functionally look like in one of those courses? Yeah, first I'll tell you that the students will tell you that this is the hardest course they take in their academic career and the most professionally rewarding. It's a flipped classroom, so you're correct. We don't do much, if any, lecturing in the course. All the material is provided up front in, in terms of advanced lectures and other things. The goal is for a student team to down-select a problem, form a team around the problem as if they were a startup, and then to start to do discovery where they're required to come up with a series of hypotheses and assumptions about the problem, and then come up with a series of MVPs to actually go out and test their hypothesis to validate or invalidate it. We require them to interview you know, 10 to 15 people a week in order to gather the data necessary to do this. So, so really, when you boil it down, it's very scientific, but it requires you to spend a lot of time talking to people and learning how to write a thesis, learning how to build an MVP, learning how to gather data, and that actually making really uncomfortable decisions without enough data. 
which is exactly like being an entrepreneur trying to build a company. The professors who teach the course don't teach as much as they do provide a deliberately direct, honest feedback to the teams, just as if they were the board of directors for a young startup. So you'll find us in the back of the classroom listening to a team and say, first off, I, I don't understand your hypothesis. Your MVP doesn't make any sense to me, and you didn't talk to enough people to actually prove you gathered enough data in order to make the decision you made. So let me help you find more people to talk to. So we don't just stop there, but it is, let us help you through this process. Invariably, students learn that, you know, the first problem they were given was wrong and have to rewrite the problem as they learn more about it. And invariably, they have to go through a series of pivots, which are emotionally challenging for anybody before they hit the end of the course. Sure. And has there been in the few years now, well, what, almost eight years now that it's been offered, has there been any return on the investment with respect to actual changes in the government as a result of what the students came up with? You know, absolutely. I will tell you the the processes that we have learned from teaching the course are being used by a host of government agencies. And I can tell you, you know, for instance, the unmanned task force running a major exercise in Bahrain for this month. Their reset, probably 18 months ago, actually used the same process and systems that were developed by the students to actually help the Navy focus on what they were doing. So you will find the students aren't the only people learning from the class. The problem sponsors who come from the government are learning an immense amount about their own problem, but they're also learning about the process of solving problems. Those processes are now being taken into the government and are establishing their own means to do that. And I imagine taking this course somehow changes the students themselves? We're finding the students becoming much more engaged in the government. Many of them continue to work with the problem sponsors after the course. The course has also spun out 52 companies in eight years. It's kind of a threefer. You get business process improvement. You get young men and women more interested in working in the government, some who actually join the government. And we're, no kidding, getting companies. Pete Newell is managing partner of BMNT and founder of the Common Mission Project. As always, thanks so much for joining me. Tom, thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity. And we'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows.